Welcome to Stories from the Center of the Universe, the podcast about the human experience. Buzz Anthony, welcome to the Center of the Universe. Yeah, glad to be here. It's awesome. Buzz, I heard your name uh, a while ago, but I had never seen you play until the quarterfinal game in the NCAA tournament. Mm. And I, I told this story uh, to Coach Merkel, but I'll, I'll tell it again. I had no idea what you looked like. I had no idea what your height was. I really had no, no idea. Nice. My parents are season. Well, they go to every game. They actually came mm-hmm. out to Indiana to watch you guys in the Final Four. Awesome. And uh, y'all come out for warm-ups, the final warm-ups before the game starts. And I'm looking across the team. I'm like, is it that guy? Is it that guy? And I, I picked half the team. And finally, my mom, who I was sitting next to, she goes, that's him right there with the beard. I'm like, that's not him. <laughs> I'm like, how tall is he? So, what, what is your official height, Buzz? Let's start there. Yeah, I go, uh, I go five ten without shoes on, but uh, good five eleven with shoes on. Okay, and, nice. Uh, you know, play the game of basketball with shoes on. So, uh, nice five eleven. Okay, I was trying to get six foot. Um, all of my five years of making, and they wouldn't do it. So, <laughs> high school I was five eleven. College I was five eleven. Couldn't couldn't get the six foot. You you wanted the listing of of six feet. You didn't care yeah. about the actual six no. feet. I mean that would have been nice too if I yeah. would have grown, but just the listing, you know, a little more pop to it, I guess. Yeah, my son's five eleven and three quarters, and he's desperately wanted to be six feet tall. So he's just rounded up. He's like, I'm six feet tall. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. So the fact that you have been the ODAC uh, Player of the Year four years running. You're the national player of the year, which I, probably still sounds a little weird to you mm. at this point. But, mm-hmm. I mean, well, obviously well-deserved. Uh, is, is amazing. When did you realize you had a chance of being a conference player of the year or mm. even the national uh, player of the year? Man. Um, <laughs> like you said, it is. it still definitely hasn't uh, settled in. I think some of Coach Merkel and, and our culture has rubbed off. It was always like – learning how to humbly accept things and his thing is just like you know on to the next challenge like let me just you know dive into the next thing and so I think that I kind of just took that so even when I won it my sophomore year it was like okay you know but we didn't win the ODAC championship but we did get past the Sweet 16 so it's always like let me put my effort or dive into something else and kind of not think about it and there's been a couple of days since the season's ended where you know some thoughts have kind of come in it's been like wow this is this is kind of more than I even dreamed of or put, you know, goal setting of my freshman year. But, um, yeah, I mean, freshman year, I thought I had a good rookie year and, um, you know, I didn't get any, whatever, recognition or anything. And we had a upsetting loss in the ODAC tournament in the quarterfinals. So there was plenty of fuel that summer, I will say. I was, uh, I was, I knew that I'd worked on my game a ton more than any summer, so... Um, I think it was a self-belief that I could, but also like, you know, who knows how awards work. It's coaches voting. So right. I wasn't going to put too much into it, but yeah, it is other people's <laughs> opinion of you, but it's, mm-hmm. it's nice when it goes your way. It is. And, and me wanting to be a coach, it is kind of like a respect thing. It's, you know, these guys respect the way I play. They respect that our team wins, that, you know, I play a, a vital role in it. So I think that's one thing that when I was younger, awards was like, cool and put it on social media and when you get older it's like you know coaches around the league people who know basketball respect what you're doing and you know respect the way you play no that's awesome we're gonna come back to the humility confidence uh inner drive uh but i have to ask you is buzz your given name <laughs> it is not 
It is not my given name. I've um, <clears throat> I've tried to change it on numerous occasions, and it's actually much more difficult to change your name, um, as my wife is finding out also. She's still holding on to her old last name, and I've been ragging her about that. But um, yeah, I mean, like you got to go to court, you got to get your social security card changed, and all this stuff. So um, I still haven't haven't officially changed. But it. you want to change it to Boz? I do legally. I do. Can you share what your uh, given name is? <laughs> well. I used to keep it, you know, under wraps, but I've had a couple, a couple interviews, and and now it's like they said on the uh, one of my buddies texted me after the national championship game. I was like, man, they said like you know your real name on TV, <laughs> now everyone knows. Like I thought this was a secret. So my name is Connor. Okay. Um, it's very bland. It's very Connor's a solid name. No, it's a solid. It's not um, Buzz. It's definitely not Buzz. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So my parents gave me Buzz when I was younger. My mom's name's B. My dad's nickname, because he was like short and fast in college, they called him a B. And so my parents were thinking of names, and they said, two Bs make a buzz. Mm. And they were like, we'll give him this name, but maybe he won't like it, so we'll give him like a normal name kind of thing. But I just ate and, it up. And, you could, and you could choose. Yeah, so like first day of school, they were like, what do you want to go by? And I went by Buzz, and then I just loved it. Did your parents ever call you Connor? Yes, they would call me Connor Van when they were upset at me. Uh, but only <laughs> when they were upset. in the middle name, and <laughs> yeah, that's when that's when I knew it was bad. You said Connor Van. Yep, middle name is just Van. Okay, so yeah. is the legal change going to be Buzz Van? I'm thinking of doing Buzz and then doing like a Connor Van hyphen. Okay, that's the only time I hear it. Anyways, is the Connor Van. Yeah, you don't want to lose that actually. Yeah, so um, I think that'll be cool. We got some some Dutch roots. My mom's okay. maiden name was Van Babel, so that's where the Van okay. came in. Nice, I like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a buddy who who begged me to ask you this question. Okay, he said, "Were you limited given your your name of Buzz to schools that had mascots <laughs> that are stinging insects?" So, <laughs> what's funny is like when I first came to Macon, people asked me like, "Did I change my name because of?" The mat, like the mascot. Right. So then it was like, you think I changed my name based on this silly small school in Ashland? Like, I don't know. I've gotten all kinds of fun questions, but no, I think it just worked out. I tell the story that my freshman year, um, I was the mascot at a football game. So Buzz was truly Buzz <laughs> on uh, one of our football games, which was fun. That's a lot of fun. Who, who knew that you were doing that? How many people? Was it a small circle? Yeah, we weren't supposed to tell people when it was happening, so it was just kind of my closer friends. Okay. But afterward, I you know told anyone, whomever. What, what does a mascot do during a football game? <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, it was kind of just that I knew someone who knew the like dance, cheer kind of coordinator, and they were like, we need someone, and I was like, I'll do it. And, of course, it ended up being like 90 degrees, sun, you know, beating down. And I'm from Annapolis, Maryland, so okay. I've gone to like some Navy football games, and you know they'll do push-ups on touchdowns. Like they're they're all in. So I'm like, okay, I'm a mascot. I'll do some like push up push-ups. I'll run around, and and so the first half, I think I was pretty good, and then the second half, I was just sweating, tired, beat down. So. A lot of push-ups that day. We did win by a lot. But I think more than just the push-ups, it was just like... The weather was crushing you. Yeah, whatever is made of a mascot, you know, suit. Um, I don't know if you saw the... I don't want to say it wrong. I think it's Coors Light, the commercial with yeah, the mascots yeah, yeah, that come yeah, yeah. in. Yeah. yeah. So that that would have been much needed if... Uh, <laughs> Very similar to yeah, what you that, experienced. That would have been a big pickup at halftime. 
So I grew up in Annapolis. What were your parents doing? Back yeah, then? so I love I love Annapolis. Awesome, awesome place to grow up. Uh, my mom was actually from. So I'm right outside of Annapolis in Arnold. My mom was from there, so we grew up like right down the street from my mom. So she had friends, and her sister um, grew up or raised her kids down the street. So I grew up near my cousins. Uh, my mom was a PE teacher, and my dad was a financial advisor for my first half. And then he was like partially retired and started a referee business. Yeah. So both my parents played college sports. They both coached for 10 plus years. My mom did juco volleyball. My dad did uh, high school soccer. And then they got into refereeing. So they kind of, the whole, every angle of sports um, that it, that it kind of, you could attack it from. Did you referee as a kid? Yeah. Yeah. So I started at like 14 doing soccer stuff. Um, and then I got into basketball. So I've done basketball and soccer since I was 15. So mom, volleyball, dad, soccer, and you ended up being uh, a full-time basketball player. <laughs> How did that happen? Yeah, I was – so I kind of played every sport growing up, t- tried it all out. was kind of my parents' thing. and But basketball and soccer kind of stuck for mo- mostly throughout, and those are the ones I did travel and the most competitive. Um, and then I played basketball and soccer my freshman year. And I remember – so soccer in Maryland – I know it's like different in some states, but boys go in the fall. Yeah, same so I year. had that first. Yeah, um, and I made varsity my first year. I was like starting. I was playing well. I feel like I have a better soccer body than I do basketball body. Um, but I had a good season. But then I remember getting into the basketball season, and I mean, sure, I was cardio wise in shape, but like my touch was off, and so I didn't make varsity. And I was kind of you're talking out. about your freshman year. Yeah. What kind of schools you go to? Like. A small private or big public or somewhere so, in between? Put it, yeah, I went to a big private school. Um, well, I went there for basketball. It was like a main reason. I had a buddy who was a year older. was Archbishop Spalding. They okay, played sure. in the Baltimore Catholic League. So they, yeah, it's really good basketball up there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So um, my buddy was like, yeah, come here. You know, it's really good. Good coach, all this stuff. And I felt like I was right on the cusp of making it. And I felt like, you know, some of that fall, some of playing soccer, I wasn't at my, at my best. So I ended up moving up halfway through the year to varsity. And once I got on varsity, played in a couple games, and it was like, these dudes are really, really good. And so then it kind of was the decision of like, hey, do I you know, fully commit to this? Because I know I have to to be able to play at this level. And it was a hard decision. Quitting soccer, my dad was, was pretty you know, heartbroken. But my dad played basketball in college at St. Mary's in okay. Southern Maryland. So yeah, yeah. They, both my parents loved basketball too, so it wasn't too – it wasn't too bad. What was it about basketball that helped you make that decision? <laughs> it's funny now, like I kind of see it as a maybe a negative trait, but I wanted to be able to control or impact the game more. You know, in soccer, I'd be playing center midfield, which you can control a lot, kind of like a point guard. But you know, if your strikers aren't scoring or if your goalie's letting in goals, like you feel like you're a little less, a little less impactful. So basketball, I felt like I could go in the gym and. Um, just grow my game more based on my work ethic, I guess. Well, it's one of five in basketball and one of eleven sure, in soccer. Yeah, just just based on the numbers. Yeah. Too, so. Yeah. Well, so I, I watched uh, the championship game, mm-hmm. uh, and I, wa- I was at the quarterfinal game, and you s- split time at point guard. 
And so you're you're playing a lot of two guard, right? Yeah. And you're not controlling there. Do you, do you like point guard more than two guard? Or, mm-hmm. or at this point, you're like, I, I, I like being on the basketball court. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, it's been fun, like my career as a player since, you know, really committing sophomore of high school, just the different roles that teams kind of call for. Like, I feel like to a fault, I believe basketball, you know, should be played a certain way. And like, you know, I respect the game. Um, and I want to I want to play good basketball. So like early on in high school, we had good players. I was kind of defense facilitator, all that stuff. And I love doing that. And then we had some guys graduate and guys transfer out and they were like, you need to score. And so I had to learn how to score. You get, you know, to make it early on. It was kind of that similar process. And it was, well, we need you to score. So it's just been cool in my journey. I've had different steps where I've been called to do different things. So then you have a good relationship with the coach. You know, we're having conversations. What do you see that we need best? So like in certain, even in certain lineups, um, like for most of the year, we started me, JT, Daniel Bongay, Miles, and Fundy. And so I'm like the only guy who's a three-point threat on the court right then. So it's like, hey, to start the game, we're screening for you. We want you to shoot it. Let them get a rebound. You know, be aggressive. Be like a shooting guard. Right. And then the next lineup comes in with Ian, Will Coble, and Daquan Morris. And those dudes are all shooting 45% or higher from three. So now it's like as soon as you can drive and draw a little bit of help, bang, and, and guys are making shots. So it was a, it was a fun way to kind of blend all of those different pieces or tools together so as you got older it's whatever the team needed was kind of the mindset yeah 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 but because of i think previous times of having to do it i had maybe a couple more confidence or comfortability doing different things what what is your favorite thing to do on a basketball court and i'll give you three to choose from (laughs) sinking a contested three-pointer or semi-contested three-pointer getting a steal or uh making a a, a, an unbelievable assist that uh nobody saw coming (laughs) Uh, probably gonna go with steel. Mm. So, yeah. I mean, growing up, it was always, I was like the short white guy on the court. I, I swear that every team has a play they draw up to start the game. But when I would play against a certain team, they would get the tip ball, and whoever I was guarding would start, you know, asking for the ball, and they would just scratch whatever play they were supposed to do, and he would just, you know, think it was gonna be an easy bucket. So, Early on, it was like, all right, you gotta earn, you gotta earn your, earn your spot here defensively. So I kind of grew to love to love that challenge and love defense. And they don't hurt. Uh, steals don't happen a lot, right? They're pretty rare. When yeah. you look at somebody's stat line, yeah, fifteen points, nine rebounds, two or three steals typically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's always interesting how they do steal stats too, because like you could deflect it and maybe someone comes up with it, and it's like. All right, are you of a home stack guy that's going to give you the steal, right. or are you on the road and they give the the big who just kind of clunked over at the steal? So it's yeah. interesting. And sometimes. a lot of steals aren't clean. Usually, it's two players involved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I actually don't know how that works. I guess it's a judgment call. Yeah, I'm not sure either. I'm not sure either. We had a only a couple of times I've gone to like our SID um, when I have like maybe eight assists and I felt like I was doing a lot more and I watched back the game and maybe I had like 12 or something so then I kind of talked to him and be like so you know what do we do here like the away stack guy just seemed to not do it well and I'm kind of you know I'm chasing whatever an assist record or right. this or that so um, I never did that with steals though but okay huh 
I would have done it with steals because <laughs> yeah. I because stealing a, a, a basketball is, is a whole lot of fun, especially when it's just you who made mm-hmm. made the play. Yeah, one on one. All right, so as a sophomore, I imagine in high school you were a, a gym rat. Yeah, I loved. I mean, I loved working out. I think, like I said, that freshman year of seeing what it looks like really sparked a fire. Like you don't know what you don't know. I didn't know what high level scholarship players look like, and then I got to see it. And then I was trying to pick people's brain and figure out the process of how I become that kind of thing. So you, you it was uh, equally mental and intellectual as it was physical for you at that 100%, point? 100%, yeah. I train, I train kids now from elementary to high school. And a lot of it is, you know, like, sure, I could give you a skill or I could give you a way to train. But I need you more than anything to know that you're not working hard. Like, what you think is hard work is okay, you may think it now, but when you see a high school varsity player, you're going to go, oh. And then when you see a college player, you're going to go, oh. Um, So I was lucky enough, I had an assistant coach who did a lot of training stuff, and he trained a lot of overseas players. So I would kind of just be texting him, bugging him as soon as I got my license, like, hey, can I come work out? Can I come work out? So the workouts were good, but I got to just sit there and watch, you know, a pro make five shots in a row and be cursing himself out Mm. and to me at the time i'm like what you know you just made five in a row but it was kind of hitting the rim his footwork was off or whatever and it was like oh that's what you know perfection or that's what really really detailed work looks like what's what's the assistant coach's name Uh, his name was jamal haywood uh he was in for a couple years and he does it full time he does Mm. training up in maryland like full time now nice nice yeah he's good he is. He is. He played uh, D two and then played overseas for a couple years, and he's pl- you know sprinkled in some coaching, but he really just loves the development, the you know p- player development piece more than the team aspect. Yeah, yeah, right on. All right, so when you were working out as a junior or senior in high school, what, what did your typical week look like in terms of working out to prepare for uh, games that week? Okay. Um, well, one thing that I love to say. I think to impart on, but also like what I believed was you want to train at the level of your aspirations. Mm-hmm. So especially like sophomore year going into junior of high school, it's like, okay, I've gotten a couple calls from some colleges. Like I need to start thinking of myself as a college player. So I need to start training like a college player. You're thinking that as a 16 year old? Yeah. Like going into junior year. Oh, wow. So for me, it's just like, Hey, Googling, you know, college basketball, weightlifting program. Okay. This one looks good. Print it out. Do it for four weeks. I didn't like that. I'll do a different one, you know, print out a new one for four weeks. So um, I think that was something of just doing that and then being around that assistant coach who was whatever, pro workouts, college workouts. Um, And I think it helped my mindset of like, okay, what would a college player do? What would a college player do? So um, starting my end of my sophomore year, um, going into my junior year, I would go at 6 a.m. before school. And I would go, I don't know, about two to three times a week. And that, that assistant coach, Jamal, would, would come up maybe once or twice a week with me, which was awesome. And we would get some workouts in. And then I'd go to school. And then um, <laughs> junior year, at the end of junior year and senior year, I started doing my lunch period. And I would just walk away from the cafeteria. You'd skip lunch. Yeah. And I would go to um, – I would just go to the gym and, and just shoot. We had uniforms, so I had to kind of like – you know, loosen the tie, flip the tie off. Oh, you, were t- you, you went to a tie school. Yeah, private Catholic school. Um, 
And so I would get some shots then, and the teacher I had the next period would let me eat my lunch in that class. So um, I found little ways, and then whatever, class would end, and I would get a lift in and then go home. So that was kind of my rhythm during high school. Um, Is this your personality at play, or is this your love of basketball, or both? (laughs) I think I love being good at things. Okay. And it just so happened that basketball – was what I was really immersed in. I thought it was a way, you know, I wanted to get a scholarship. I thought it was a way to pay for college. Like, I was like, okay, I think this is what it takes, especially I'm going to have to do more. Steve Nash has a great quote that he's like, if everyone worked as hard as I did, I wouldn't have a job. Like, he knows he has to work the extra level because he doesn't have the other talents. He can't jump gifts. 45 inches. Sure. and yeah. Um, so I think I took that mindset on. And, and you gain, like, mental confidence you gain an edge because I'm playing a home game and I'm like all right dude this guy I'm guarding or whatever like you weren't in here in this gym like when I was in here um and so you gain an edge from that and um and then my senior year it was about you know trying to bring teammates involved so by the end of that fall my senior year I had uh six guys in there with me at 6 a.m nice so that was a as I look back, I'm probably more proud of that than these are high school kids. Mm-hmm. And and one of them, well, two of them didn't start. Yeah, no, I mean a lot. So <laughs> probably the coolest story is the guy who came the most was a manager, freshman, sophomore, junior year, and he was like, I just love basketball. Like we became close friends, and he was like, I really you know want to try to make the team. And he made the team his senior year, nice. and, and we just, you know, we celebrated like crazy. That's huge, yeah. Um, so, yeah, he was in there probably the most often with me. That's really cool. Yeah. You keep in touch with him now? I do. Yeah, he texted me yesterday. He was, because uh, I did a fifth year, so he graduated last year. Um, he's working up in Annapolis at the Harbor, so he's he's got a good, a good fun job. So we'll hang out in the summers. Annapolis is a fun place to go back and, and hang out. Nice. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, you said you got attention your sophomore year uh, from colleges. Was there somebody helping you get the word out about you, or did, did people naturally figure out that you were going to be a college player? Um, or, good, or, or both? Yeah, good question. There were only two schools that talked to me after my sophomore year going into junior year, and that was Lycoming and Randolph-Macon. Okay. Uh, Randolph-Macon was recruiting a teammate of mine who was a year older. So I think I was just kind of like a throw a text out there. He might be good down the road kind of guy. Like him, and I'm not sure. Um, my AU team, my coach on that was a um, – I'm trying to remember the full lineage here, but he's – I think his nephew is Sean Miller, who was at Arizona. Sure. And I don't know exactly where he is now. And Archie Miller, who was at Indiana, and they've all bounced around. Um, so he was part of that Miller tree. So right. he had a lot of college coaching connections, experience, all that stuff. So he helped out a ton of not only like connecting with coaches, but also like, hey, okay, this is the team we have. We got low D1, D2, high D3 guys. Let's not go to this tournament where high D1 people are going to be. Mm. Let's go to this tournament where my guys are going to get the like right kind of looks. So I think that happens a lot with some of that is people are like chasing the – 
big tournaments and it's like you don't have players that can play at that level you're wasting an opportunity for them to because it's about the players it's not about the the adults in that case yeah Yeah. so he did a really good job with that yeah i've heard a lot of a since you brought up aau i've heard aau (laughs) seems to be a lot about the the coaches involved or the adults involved is Mm -hmm. maybe a better way of saying it um and it, it sounds like you had a coach that was looking out for yeah the kids on your team yeah and there's all kinds of money and like shoe companies and all this stuff that is started to be involved when i was in it but now it, it seems almost crazy so all right so your senior year what's your uh, average stat line you think oh um i remember i have a highlight and i like put it up at the end and i watched it like a couple weeks ago just in nostalgia um i think it was like 18 6 and 5 i think it was what i averaged like six assists five rebounds okay um, high school didn't win a lot, barely won at all. Really? So, yeah, I went there because they were good. Freshman year, we lost in the semifinals of the playoffs, but I didn't really, you know, play that much. I got moved up. Sophomore year, guys graduate and transfer. We go four and twenty-six. That's brutal, brutal. But I, I do tell this: we beat the like. I'm not sure what 6A or 2, I don't know, whatever the biggest public school division is. 6A are. sounds right. 6A. Yeah. Um, we beat the Maryland State champs via public school that year. So to give some comparison of like private, private versus public, oh, how gotcha. much is recruited, like the talent difference. In Maryland in particular. Right. Yeah. So like we went 4-26 and 26, playing all private schools except for one public school, and they ended up winning the whole thing, the state championship, <laughs> and we beat them. So... I did tell that in, in some compare like we weren't bad. Right. It was just we were playing at a really high level. Um, my senior year, I was like third team all conference. We were thirteen and nineteen, and all the guys first second team were going Division One. Mm. <laughs> so um, my junior year, we went. I think it was nine and seventeen, and my senior or nine and twenty. I don't know something. More, more losses. <laughs> more losses than wins. Yeah, yeah, and then my senior, we had thirteen wins. So, not not great. Um, that not, was a not, big, a, not a great record, but that competition had to have made you better than you would have been otherwise. Yeah, it was. It was. I got to go against, like, Emmanuel Quickly, who's now played at Kentucky, now in the NBA. We played um, each year against each other. So, that was always a fun matchup. Um, but, yeah, so that was a big piece of looking at college was I wanted somewhere to win because it was brutal. A lot of tears, a lot of, like, <laughs> calls with – Old old coaches or my parents of like, man, this sucks. Yeah, so. it's, it's uh, losing is not fun. Yeah, in any endeavor. Uh, so Mm-mm. it sounds like you were low D one, Division two, high D three mm-hmm. kind of guy. Yeah, coming yeah, out of high school, I was talking to Lafayette and Navy, a good amount um, going into my senior year. Stonehill was a good D two up near Boston. I visited there. In Catawba, a D2 North Carolina. Yep. I had a full scholarship offer to go there. It was like a mix of academics and athletics. Um, and then I say I was like the stereotypical white D3 guard. I had a 4-3 GPA. You know, I wanted to be a coach. I worked hard. Parents were coaches kind of thing. You're, you're the poster so, guy for yeah, a place so like I talked to a lot, of, a lot of D3s. A lot, like five or six or like 15? Probably like 25 plus. Holy cow. <laughs> Because that, you know, Pennsylvania's got so many. Maryland's got probably 8 to 10. Um, a lot of them were just kind of one phone call. And I was like, at that point, I was like, hey, I've already had, you know, Macon's been recruiting me for two years. 
you know, thank you kind of. But Was making the front row the entire time? Um, my relationship with Coach Merkel was the best out of any coaches. And I think that was a front runner. I was going to do a, you know, division like if Lafayette or, or probably Navy would have went, I would have done a, the division one road. But, um, yeah, that connection was big. St. Mary's in Southern Maryland was involved. My dad, we went on a visit there, and he's, like, reliving his glory days, telling <laughs> we would go to this place, go to this bar, hang out at this pond, you know, at this spot. So I think he was kind of bummed out. When I chose making, but he wasn't pushing too hard. No, no, years. they did a good job of letting me kind of decide and, and supporting it. So, what was it about Coach Merkel? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think we just some of just <laughs> people joke like my freshman year they called me like Baby Merk. Like, just I think <laughs> some of the way we attack things or, or just talk hoops, like um, it was kind of an unspoken thing that clicked early on, and then. As I got to know him, I think he shot it pretty, like, honestly, you know. I think as I got, especially older, when I was closer to making a decision, it was like, you know, like, this coach is saying, hey, you can come in and, and we'll give you the ball and, like, I want you to run the show. And it's like, well, if a coach is saying that to me as a senior in high school, then what's going to stop him from saying that to the next senior in high school right. next year? And I think that started to click more, and, and Coach Merkel kind of shot it like, hey, we got we got good players, we have a good program. What that means is you're going to have to compete. You know, just laid it all out like I'm not a, a car salesman. And I think as I waited, that became more attractive, the honesty. Yeah, he was that. sincere yeah. in what he was telling you, and he yeah. wasn't trying to uh, play a game with you, mm-hmm. which is yeah. – uh, I hate to say fairly rare, I imagine, in recruiting yeah. for college athletes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, shoot, it worked out. It worked out great. Oh, man, uh, did it ever. <laughs> and, and even just that point guard to head coach, like, that's one thing pursuing playing overseas is I'm kind of worried of, like, I might not even speak the same language as my coach. And I'm coming from this awesome relationship of going in a timeout, being like, hey, let's do this, let's do this, let's do this. And he's like, like okay, I hear you. I, let's, let's try it. You know, kind of that full confidence full support kind of thing. All right, you show up at Randolph making your you're a freshman. Did you think you were going to start? Um So there there was a guard who was going to be a senior and I came in the spring and played once and then played in the summer against this guy and he was like really fast. Um and like yeah, he's a senior, he's pretty good, but then he's 22, you're 18 kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he <laughs> so he was actually, I think, 24 or 25. He's a man, and he had like just done a Division One, and then stopped playing for a couple years, and then kind of like got scooped up, kind of thing. It was a whole journey. I don't even know all of it, but he was way mature beyond college, and so he ended up not coming back that year. Oh. So then it was me, another freshman point guard, and a sophomore kind of combo guard who were fighting for for that time. Um, and so that became a little more just like, hey, it's it's an open spot. Um, and I didn't know I was starting until 20 minutes before we played Maryland, which was my first college game. The University of Maryland? Yeah. Why was making play in Maryland? Yeah, so there's exhibition games okay. where D2s and D3s, you know, they try to play Division ones. It's like their little warm-up game or whatever. Right. Um, so us was – we were – University of Maryland that year 
Um, and so that was really cool for me, being from Maryland. Oh, yeah. So my first college game was in the Xfinity Center playing against Maryland. So, yeah, 20 minutes before the tip, he, like, wrote initials on the board and who you were guarding. And <laughs> so I was guarding Kevin Herter. There's six seven two guard. Yeah, so and he yeah he's uh he's with Atlanta now, right? Yeah, he's been killing it. Yeah, he's really good. Yeah. So, and, so wait a minute, is he six seven with shoes or without shoes? Uh, let's let's make him six eight. Let's call you five eleven. All right, cool. That that's uh, how did you guard him? <laughs> I mean, I just ran around. You know, I just had my head cut off. It was my first game ever. Um, I actually ended up leading us in scoring. Though. I had ten points, which was kind of cool. That is cool. Um. I know we were down, you know, a lot, so it wasn't like it was super meaningful buckets. But I do tell the story of that game, and I, you know, played in a good high school league, so there was uh, actually a guy I played against for four years was a freshman on that Maryland team who I played against. Um, There was just more space on the court. And I think I kind of, Division One, like the more athletic guys are, I think the less disciplined they are Mm. because they can make up more ground. So, like, I would come off a ball screen, and I could get in the paint. But now it's kind of like, you know, they're like, okay, now what kind of thing. Whereas Division three, it's like you're coming off something. They're going to be loaded up, gapped up. Like, they're not going to let you, right. you know, penetrate, and they're going to get back. But now maybe a guy can shoot over that guy. Whereas in that Maryland game, it's getting blocked. You're not shooting over yeah. anybody. Yeah. So it was interesting as a guard, as, like, a creator – it felt even more comfortable in that Maryland game than a week later we play home versus CNU. CNU was really good at the time, and, and I think the game was like in the 50s, and just I felt like I couldn't, I felt like I couldn't move freely out there at all. So, very, very well prepared because yeah. if they wanted to win, they had to be well prepared. Yeah, discipline, like everything. So how, how did your freshman season go? <laughs> so I struggled uh, a fair amount, just like some turnovers, the speed of the game finding confidence, basic freshman stuff, until the Christmas tournament. So I think that was about like eight or nine games. And then Christmas tournament, um, we're playing in our championship game against a good Hobart team. And I scored like our last nine points, and we win the game. I finished with like 17, career high. And from that, like that was the – No looking back. That was the confidence, the jump start I needed. So I think from then on, I averaged like 13 or 14 in conference – um, and yeah, we were we got rolling after that. And but, you didn't look back. Yeah, from that point. Yeah, kinda, pretty much. Yeah. So you <laughs> you started your entire freshman year. I did. I did. I played in every game in high school and college except for my this year. I missed two games because I was contact traced for COVID. Ugh. So in nine years. Of high school and college basketball, only only two games I ever missed was uh, COVID contact contact tricks, <laughs> which is, I mean, well, yeah, we'll learn more as time goes on. But yeah, that probably seems silly. Yeah, looking back at it now. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, so your sophomore year, I mean, you end up being voted conference player of the year, mm-hmm. and you're what nineteen years old at the beginning of the season, I'm guessing. Yeah, I mean you're a young guy. You're playing with guys that are twenty two. Yeah, I think I was 24. twenty. I was twenty because I took a I took a gap year after eighth grade, so I was on the older end. So okay, but still, you're playing. You're still playing with older guys. Sure. Um, why do you think those coaches uh, voted you Player of the Year? What was it about your sophomore year? Because no, normally they don't give it to sophomores, right? They're look, typically yeah. looking at juniors and seniors. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, there was a good senior, Josh Freund, who like put up good numbers. He had like nineteen a game. 
He was a big guy. Um, I think he had won it the year before. Um, played for Roanoke. And they just kind of weren't – they just weren't winning the games they were supposed to be winning. And, and we kind of – we were just winning a ton. I mean, I think it helped that the ODAC had been down, like, in a national sense for a mm-hmm. while. In sophomore year, we got up to, like, I think number five in the nation. So I think not only was it like, oh, Macon's, you know, getting to be pretty good in the ODAC, but, like, they're good nationally. And, I mean, that year we had a ton of guys who could just, like, really shoot the ball. And so my ability to create, like, I was really our only creator. So I think if I was a coach, it was like, well, you know, without this guy creating a lot of their offense, maybe doesn't flow the way it does. So you're the obvious quarterback. Yeah, I think some of it was just that, like, you know, it seems like quarterbacks always win, whatever, Super Bowl MVP, even if there's great they great the, players the, on the, the team. The best receiver, the best guy, DN. Yeah, yeah, it's just that guy kind of facilitated. So I think they they gave it based on the facilitation of a good offense. There's, there's a multiplicative sort of effect of, of, a, of a really good point yeah. guard that is more valuable than just, say, a, a score. Sure, yeah. Like, that, that team was our best uh, points per game team that I've been on my sophomore year. We were at like 83 or 84 points per game. That's a lot of points for college basketball. Yeah. To average. And like we're a defensive kind of identity team. Yeah. So we're not getting a ton of possessions because we're, you know, slow and, and we're making you work um, on the other side of the ball. So And, and you're taking good shots on offense. Mm-hmm. Actually, you were named player of the year. Did Was that a surprise to you or did you feel like you had a decent shot? I felt like I had a decent shot, but I thought because I was younger too, I was like, They'll probably go and go a different direction. So I, I still remember where I was when um, I got a text saying like, "Congrats!" You know, I was like, "That's how you find out." Thing. Yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, it was it was cool. It was uh, it was really cool, and especially because like that summer, you know, I felt like I had worked the hardest I had, you know, at any because there was so much fuel from from letdown the year before. Right. Uh, so it. Was there a point after being the player of the year, your sophomore year, where you're like, do, I guess I have to win it the next two years, too? Did that ever enter your brain? Yeah. it was. It's probably like, oh, man, I'm trying to remember this quote. Um, it's like, out of 100 people, out of 100 warriors, like 99 can handle adversity or overcome adversity. Like, that's the warrior spirit. It's like, you know, that was me, short white guy, chip on the shoulder, They'd come at you the first play defensively. That was my career. And then it was winning an award like that. Then it was like only one of 100 can handle like success, can handle praise. And I, I mean, probably for about the next year and a half, I was not mentally, <laughs> you know, the best at, at doing that. I was just paranoid. It was like I would finish a workout after that sophomore summer going into junior year. And I'd be, like, untying my shoes, and I'd be like, man, did I work harder last summer? You know, like, it was just always in the back of my mind. I'd, like, lace my shoes back up. I'd go for, like, 15 more minutes. And, um, yeah, I mean, so, like, whatever, NBA guys, like, they'll talk about being obsessed. And it was almost like the obsession of love for basketball or this or that turned into, like, I have to repeat this. Or, like, I have to do better. Um, almost, a, like I said, paranoia. Mm. And so... Um, obviously, as years went on, I was able to handle it better and kind of learn how to um, do it. But yeah, it was it was really tough. I I a hundred percent like totally respect and have a newfound appreciation for 
greats who do it year in and year out, like the Tom Brady's and LeBron James and that stuff. I mean, it's it's tough. Your your one out of a hundred notion is dead on. Mm-hmm. Uh, repeating d- doing it two years in a row is uh, is amazing. Do it doing it four years, and, and some of that is honestly there's a weird uh, fifth year because of the pandemic, yeah. right? Yeah, which we'll get to in a second. Yeah, but four yeah. years in a row. That I mean. It sounds like you were less and less paranoid as your career went on at Randolph-Macon, but there was probably something in the back of your mind almost all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. But you obviously handled it well. <laughs> I tried to. At least from the outside. I did. Good mentors, well. good people pouring into me, helping me out. But, yeah. All right, Coach Merkel was talking about uh, you working out earlier in your career, like this 8 p.m. workout, then a 2 a.m. workout, and then an 8 a.m. workout. Yeah. Was that – year round or is that during season is that before the season what was that yeah so i started it the fall after my freshman year plenty of fuel in the tank i came from watching a video about kobe bryant and he was talking about his story and how he'd work out and stuff and and he was like look i just wanted to get better so i talked with my you know whatever this certain doctor guy and this guy exercise science and he's like if you have five hours of recovery like that's optimal for you to get a 90 minute workout in so he was like i didn't abide by the you know whatever 16 hours of daylight eight hours of sleep he was like i just looked at a 24 hour day and i was like 90 minute workout five hour rest 90 minute work five. so he was like i would just go at any time of the day you're doing that seven days a week so i <laughs> i took it and was like okay I'm not Kobe Bryant. I'm not in the NBA. This isn't my job. I'm not getting paid millions. I have other responsibilities. But the dude puts his pants on the same way I do, one leg at a time. I can at least do this once a week. So freshman year, uh, season ends, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to try it. And um, Thursday nights, I would go in and and go 8 p.m. and then, you know, have a a break. And I would go like 2.30, 3 o'clock, have, you know, that whatever, four or five-hour break, and then go at – seven or eight before class Friday. Um, and I started doing it. And again, talking to like high school, my that 6 a.m. thing gave me the mental edge. Like I started killing and pick up and like was really playing well that spring. And, you know, I thought like maybe some of that was mentally and like the edge of being in the gym at two in the morning. And so I took that on. And so I did it in the fall and spring the next two years. But it was one day a week or were you doing one it? One day a week. Yeah, okay. yeah in the fall and the spring. Because, um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> physically it was not probably the most healthy thing considering I've been – my five hours of recovery was in class for four hours and, like, you know, yeah. playing a lift or pickup. Like, I couldn't, whatever, have a massage guy and eating the right all the time. So, um, uh, yeah, it was different. But looking back, it was it was awesome as far as getting the edge, doing something different. Um I believe like the more you sacrifice, the more you care. So like, you know, that next day I'm playing pickup and I'm like, dude, I'm up at two in the morning. Like you're definitely not about to close out short on this shooter and we're gonna lose this game of pickup. And so like my accountability for other guys went up because I was giving more to our team, to our game. Did you have guys working out with you when you started? Nope, so I did it, I did it two, two years. I didn't do it with COVID. I was just whatever, gym availability, but I did it that freshman, sophomore, and junior year, and then COVID hit, and then senior year. So those first, like, two and a half years, um, a guy would come in at night or come in in the morning for one of the three, but no one would do all of them. And then coach kind of was, like, started supporting it more this past year. 
And so we had like 12 guys in there this past year. How many guys are on the team? Suited 15, up typically? 15. So 80% of the team is coming into all three workouts. Yeah, so we did that for the fall going into the year. It paid off, it sounds like. Yeah. I mean, it's not the only reason you guys uh, won the national championship. But, right. And but like, it doesn't hurt. Yeah, and like I tell people, you know, your game probably isn't going to increase. You're not going to see a great improvement by doing this workout. But when we're down bad or when you're, like, fighting for confidence, you can always go back to that back pocket and be like, all right, I put this time in. I was in it two in the morning. Like, I've worked too hard to not succeed. I've worked too hard to not, you know, play to my potential. So you can't be the national player of the year. You can't uh, be a huge part of the national championship team without having extreme confidence. Where does that come from for you? Or would you say that you actually don't have extreme confidence? (laughs) Ah. Well, it's interesting. Like, I'm going and I'm playing pickup in Richmond now or, like, you know, playing with different guys or doing different things. And, I mean, I think I'm confident in my game, but I'm not, like – like, I've met some real confident dudes. Like, I'm not one of – you know, I don't have irrational confidence, I guess. Okay, that's fair. Um, I'm not saying cockiness. I'm saying confidence. And and part of that is, I mean, I I know, like, I'm only – you know, I'm five foot nothing, and I rely on having good teammates, like – Part of a guy being able to make a shot makes my drive more potent. So, like, my ability to have good teammates and be able to play well with people also, like, super maximizes my skill. Like, Kevin Durant, if he had good or bad teammates, it doesn't really matter. If he can get you on the wing, I mean, he's going to score because that's how, that's how his game is. That's how good he is. Right. Um, so, I think I'm, I'm confident in my skill. But a huge piece of wanting to coach was like film watching, game preparation. That grew a ton. And so a lot of that was confidence in our game plan. Like I would be with the coaches and the assistant coaches days leading up to games. And so like I was a part of making, you know, part of the game plan. So I I 100% believed in it. Like, hey, they're weak here. Let's attack that. And then when it would work, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, we we got their number. Like we're just going to keep going at it. So. I think a lot of confidence for me come, came from that as well. Uh, you guys won the conference tournament this past year. You, mm-hmm. you obviously won the national tournament. Uh, walk me through your memories of the conference tournament and your memories of the NCAA tournament. So conference tournament this year was really cool. Um, as we talked earlier, so I am married, and so that happened last summer. So I got married in August before the fifth year, senior year started. And so the conference tournament was probably like a really cool moment where this season's been different, being that I'm not living in dorms with guys or kind of in that smelly lifestyle as much. Um, so like the conference tournament, you're married, dude. You're not college kid <laughs> yeah, as much, yeah. right? But that conference tournament, we're in Salem for four days. We played Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, so for those four days, I'm in a hotel room, and we're all right next to each other, and so. I think more than any other year, I really just like embraced that, was really present, like man, you know, I might not ever again in my future years have four days with like some of my best friends playing basketball, like dominating to an extent, like winning and having this downtime. So you, you relished every minute of it, yeah. it sounds like. So in the past years I'd been like game would end, I would go to my room and like boom, turn on film, like prepping, you know, rehabbing, stuff like that. So this year, I think I had a good sense of I knew what I needed to do, but it maybe wasn't as much 
Because now I knew these teams and coaches. Like, I didn't even look at scouting reports or anything anymore, especially in the ODAC. Because, like, I'd been around the league and knew the coaches so well. Right. So, uh, relished every minute, like you said. That's really cool. Uh, you, you have a fond memory or two from the NCAA tournament? <laughs> definitely, definitely a couple. Um, probably one of the one of the coolest was after the game, um, we had a group of guys, and we'd been kind of doing a – doing a, a Bible study and kind of growing in some different areas and we would pray after the games and stuff and and a couple guys were you know getting into it and, and trying to just you know we, we kept repeating like winning a national championship is not going to be the best thing that happens to you this year like don't don't just like put everything into this and then you know now what like don't peak at 22 kind of thing and so um, our whole team ended up like coming together praying after the game and like I don't know. I think like that's going to be an anchoring moment when I look back, or hopefully when I have conversations with my teammate down the road, or or maybe some someone asks them about it, and it's like, hey, yeah, we won a national championship. But one of the first things we did after, you know, it was more meaningful, and um, at least in my belief, and that was really awesome, really really awesome for me. And then coming back to the hotel after the game, we had a uh, take the bus back, and I had no idea what was gonna. You know, happened that night, and we opened the doors of the hotel, and it's like full of alumni. All the fans that had come to the game, or I don't know about all, but most had come to the hotel. So they're all oh, sitting they, in the lobby. They were so excited, <laughs> and they're just juiced up, and and so we just celebrated, you know, in there, um, and that was that was awesome. Just seeing people, how much they cared, how many how many years they've put into you know Randolph Macon and, and the loyalty, and and just giving that to them was, was awesome. Randolph Macon's always, at least in my memory, and I'm 53, they've always <laughs> had a good program. I think they went to the Division II Final Four back in 79. And I was a kid back then. And so they've they've always had a good team. And yeah. they've always, I shouldn't say always been in the top 10, but frequently in the top 10 for Division III. Yeah. Um, and there seems to be this crescendo th- thing happening under Coach Merkel where <laughs> it got a lot better. And you're a mm-hmm. huge part of that. Um, I, th- I think it's awesome to win a national championship, but I think the kids that come after you, it's gonna be it, there's gonna be more pressure. There's gonna be a little mm-hmm. more paranoia. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the cool thing is, or, or maybe not so cool, you you are leaving the program <laughs> and you don't have to sweat it as much. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I'm I'm sure Coach he loves saying this, but like pressure is a privilege. Mm-hmm. Like having that kind of reputation is a good thing. Like schools that don't have that, and they don't have people that care, like. The gyms are quiet. The home games are quiet. Like, it stinks. Like, if you lose and people are upset, like, there's a certain there's a certain mm, good thing that comes with that. Like, people do care, and um, I think I definitely bought into that. Like, I would rather have people care and be mad at me when we lose than just have no one really care. Um, yeah. So. There are worse things than losing. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, all right, so you <clears throat> you have an agent. Now I understand. Yeah, uh, yeah. And you're his only D three guy. Mm-hmm. Um, what are you looking to do over the next uh, few months or or year or so? Learn, like I just. I mean, even the process of the agent, it was like I uh, got a couple good connections. So I was talking with three different agents, and it's kind of like they're like, "Hey, do you have any questions for me?" And I'm like, "Tell me." anything and everything about this process and I will ask you questions as it goes because I just didn't have enough baseline to ask questions and 
this is also someone where like that high school assistant coach like I've been around some overseas pros I've had some buddies of mine that have went and played so it's not like I'm completely a foreigner but just all the intricacies to it all and so it's been just a huge learning curve of like what do I expect how can I be prepared how do I train um and so the guy I went with been doing it for over 20 years uh he's been just great at kind of really being communicative and um helping mentor and just kind of guide that so yeah these next couple months gonna be training um i have two potential uh nba workouts like pre-draft workouts which you know i don't think i will be drafted you get to go though but it's kind of a connection of a connection of like hey this would be good for you to be able to say to you know overseas guys coaches um, it would be good for you to get in the gym and see a workout, compete against high-level stuff. Um, so those are um, potential things coming up. Are those team-based work uh, tryouts or workouts? Or? Yeah, so it's like for, I don't know, from the end of May to the end of June, NBA teams are working out guys they think they can draft. But every workout has maybe one or two guys that they're going to focus on, and then they need one or two guys who – you know, they can see them maybe compete against or, you know, worthy competition or whatever. Um, so I'd probably be more in that category. Because well, the NBA only has two rounds in their draft, right? Right. Yeah. So, I mean, they, like, they really try to get it right, and so they do a lot of these a lot of these workouts. Um, so that would be cool. So that would maybe be closer, but it's kind of looking like July, August. Well, hold on, let's back up. At what <laughs> point did you think you would be uh, doing a workout with an NBA team? <laughs> I mean, was it like a week ago or was it like, yeah, I mean, it was kind of like, I just, like I said, everything's just like a connection of a connection, not what you know, who, you know, like, um, I just kind of stayed in touch with this one guy. He was a G league assistant coach for one of the teams. And, um, we met through a guy and I stayed in touch and then he played D three. So he's kind of like got that little special place. Yeah, He's got got a big, big heart for you. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I just stayed connected and he's like hey we got these pre-draft workouts like i don't think we'll draft you but i'm in i'm pretty close with the head of scouting like i can probably get you in one of the pre-draft workouts so um it was kind of stuff like that where like it wasn't the goal of mine it just kind of came and it's like oh that's cool um you know i think that will help me grow i think it's trying not to be too much of a fanboy and see it more as like an opportunity to learn something or to get better so when I go overseas for that first year it's really important one thing I've learned is like your first year proving your credentials like proving you can play as a rookie it's like being a freshman again um, it's like being a freshman except that you are the uh, division three national player of the year mm-hmm. that's, that's always going to be with you yeah yeah and I and I think that'll probably help me and get a job but uh, from guys I've talked to it's like they don't care you know like you could be a division one low major um like i talked to a guy from william and mary and he's like william and mary ran off making they mean the same thing mm-hmm. over there he's like if you're not from a power five like they're like not a lot of respect but then you come and and if you prove it then it's kind of you exponentially you know elevate and into whatever higher paying jobs more experience and more valued Position, so. I hope you make the NBA, man, but let's assume for a second that you don't make the NBA. Uh, you're going to end up uh, somewhere in Europe, you think? 
Yeah, yeah. So um, talking with the agent and kind of leaning on people who know way more than I do. Um, you know, they, they think kind of Western Europe. Uh, there's kind of the big market route of France, Germ- uh, France, like Italy, Spain. And you would start in like a third or second tier league. Mm-hmm. Kind of like how soccer has right. different stuff. And then yep. kind of work your way up maybe. Or get in like a smaller market of a Portugal... Denmark, Sweden, and play on a first-tier team and, and play really well um, and then kind of try to move into some of that stuff. So that's what it's looking like. Beck and I, probably goal or dream spot, which is what a lot of people have been asking us, is uh, in like three to five years if we could get to Australia or New Zealand. That would be – we both love the beach. I'm a surfer. Um, so that would be really, really cool. I was going to ask you, uh, do you have interest outside of Becca and basketball? um surfing is in there um i tell people that i think my voicemail is you know sorry mr call i'm probably surfing or playing basketball um you know i'll get back to you when i'm done um but no i feel like i i love talking about that i love traveling adventure all that stuff um tony bennett has a quote that i that i've found um newly in these past couple years of like i can talk hoops or about Jesus all day long. If you give me on either of those two, so my faith and, and that journey has really grown as well. So, uh, yeah, I would say simple in some ways, but there's a lot of different avenues you can go with, you know, with those things. So. It makes you fulfilled and, and uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it sounds like you're a happy, well, mm-hmm. well-adjusted dude. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I've been, I've been lucky, blessed, like beyond. Beyond a lot of ways, so excited to pay it forward, excited to even stay involved with making, like high school, just starting to find ways now to be that alumni, to be that, you know, older presence, kind of paying it paying it back. How does a kid from Annapolis pick up surfing? That's a good question. So, grandfather lived in just south of Wilmington, North Carolina, and we would travel there every summer. And I got about like 12 or 13, and I think I probably saw it on TV, thought it was cool. was like, hey, can we rent a board? And kind of like I said with basketball, it didn't start with a love for basketball. It started with a love for being good at something. Mm -hmm. So then I just started going out in the water for like, you know, hours on end, just trying to pick it up and learn. And so then once you got good at something, then I don't know, the middle school girls on the beach would look at you more. And so I kept (laughs) doing it. And so, but then... Once I think you really get into something, you start to it starts to unlock all the different layers of what surfing is, or you know what basketball taught me. And so now surfing's just become an awesome way to to meet people, to hang out with friends, to to travel. It's a very communal um, sort of endeavor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've been to I've been Portugal, California, Florida, North Carolina, Costa Rica. So you haven't done any of those crazy big waves, have you? No, probably the biggest wave I've surfed is like. 10, 12 feet. Still pretty so, big. Yeah. Yeah, doing some hurricane chasing on the East Coast with a couple of buddies. Really? Yeah. Yeah, we went uh, kind of up up the coast of North Carolina two days, kind of just like following, you know, the hurricane and following trying to get the, the best. F- following the dangerous storm. Yeah. <laughs> right. But it is cool. You know, it's like chaos and winds and all stuff. And then the next morning. Did your mom know you were doing this? Yeah, she she loves the ocean. You okay. know, she'll right, like right I mean, she'll come out there and swim. I'm out there in like maybe six, five, seven foot swells and, and she'll come out there and she's swimming and she's like bobbing up and down, <laughs> but she just wants to be a part of it. So That's cool. Yeah. 
All right, weird question time. Okay. We, we asked most of our guests this. We asked Josh this. Okay. Uh, and it's meant to be revealing. You're a uh, talk show host. You, you get to do one show. You get to invite three or four guests. They can be alive or dead. They can be famous, not famous. You can know them, not know them. Uh, the show can be thought-provoking. It can be uh, for your enjoyment. It could be for the world's enjoyment. Uh, you, you're going to have a, a male guest, a female guest, mm-hmm. a musical uh, act, and if you're in the comedy, uh, comedian. Okay. See, here, there it is. It's thought-provoking. It it's, is. Yeah. It is, very much so. Um, probably the male guest. I would probably go Pistol Pete mm. Nervich. He um, was the man. He could do crazy things with yeah. basketball. Yeah. Have you ever heard the story of him riding his bike to school? And it was it was one that had the 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 bar between the seat and the handlebars, and then it had the the V at the bottom, and he would dribble. Between mm. that, as he rode no hands wow. to school, yeah. No, I haven't heard that. That's a fan. I, I don't know if it's true or not. I never saw Pistol Pete. <laughs> I'm sure it is. I I grew up watching his like this movie. I don't know how famous it is or what, but the VCR of Pistol Pete made yeah, he, it in my house. And, he, he was the man. And there was only one spot in our like upstairs living room that had a VCR, but I would uh I would watch that thing. Probably watch it like. 50 to 100 times between you know six years old and 12 or 13 years old so i would probably just ask him all the stories all the stuff about the movie and um so yeah he would be my male guest female guest Hmm. i think i would probably go to like my mom is a very interesting person in my life i think we're wired very similarly but also like different there's different you know and now that i'm getting older it's like the change of okay that's just my mom to like okay it's a friend it's a person it's someone who i've learned so much from like I'm, we're kind of diving into our relationship and she talks a lot about her mom um and so her mom passed away when i was three mm. um so there's, there's just so many stories when we'll be talking and she'll reference her mom and it's like man now that I'm kind of getting more into our relationship, I would love to have more of that contextual background to kind of know more about my mom. Um, so that's that's probably who I would go for my female guest. And then we're going music. Mm. Music for me is probably two different ones. Uh, you can have both on. This, okay. is your, this is your show. Two very different people, different styles, but... Um, Post Malone okay. is a favorite of me as far as like, I feel like it's music that I can play at any time. Like it can be like a party, a beat vibe, or it can be kind of a studying, like soothing thing. I've seen him in concert twice, which was really fun. He's just a, a crazy fun guy. He's a guy um, with face tattoos from Texas, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't, you know, don't probably dress like him or, or, you know, style the same way, but his music's fun. Um, and then the other, again, totally different, but Brett Young, country-wise. I feel like certain, I don't know, artists at certain times are, like, in similar seasons of life. So a lot of his stuff is, like, um, I just feel like, I don't know, I'm like, this is my life right now. So um, has a song, like, Chapters, that's just really good. Um, so they would probably be musical-wise my two favorite right now. 
comedian. Um, I'd probably go Kevin Hart. He's, he's he's a funny dude. Yeah, he's really funny. I remember last last summer, two summers ago, Beck and I and another like couple friend of ours were up at just like one in the morning with a huge platter of just buffalo like wings, and we I mean I think it'll forever be etched. We were just like hy- hysterical, just laughing at you know just for an hour at Kevin Hart stand up thing and. Um, to this day, we'll still like that's the main thing we'll talk about when we get together. So. He, he's a naturally funny dude, and, yeah. and when he's prepared, he's especially funny. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then like <laughs> seeing then the you know this other like the other people who watched it, seeing them try to then reenact or like no, I can't do you it. know like when they try to be like oh you remember when Kevin Hart did this and they'll like try to do it and it's like <laughs> sometimes that's even funnier than, than what Kevin Hart had done. <laughs> legitimately funnier or like it was like a dumb like you look like an idiot yeah like nice try yeah (laughs) right right (laughs) all right cool last two things uh one is i'm going to tell a quick story and then we'll end by talking about uh your wife becca okay how how you met and your relationship and and who she is to you yeah my quick story is we were at that uh quarterfinal game for the uh ncaa tournament okay i told you i was there with my parents i was also there with my youngest kid my 15 year old daughter uh, and I will tell you, she knew you were coming here tonight, and she's like, she keeps asking me, when's Buzz coming again? When's Buzz coming again? <laughs> and I don't know if you saw her, but she walked outside, and she was looking in here. <laughs> and the story is, after that game, you guys were celebrating as a team. Yeah. Alumni were around. Standard fans were around. She came up to you and asked to take a picture, and mm. you did not hesitate one bit, and you stood there and took a picture. It probably took uh, – 45 seconds, but it was 45 seconds you could have been spending with Becca or your teammates or whoever, yeah. and you took the time to do that, and you didn't have to do that. So yeah. that speaks volumes to who you are, and I appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you. It was a, I mean, it was an awesome moment. Like, that's actually one of my – we did a team reflection meeting, and it was like favorite moments. And one of them was praying with the team after, but one of them was after knowing we were going to the Final Four. The, the like, modge pods of people on the court. Of, yeah. Like, team, alumni – you know, coaches, my family, and then, like, awesome, like, Ashland community. Like, everyone's kind of played a part in that role. And I was, I don't know, lucky enough to be able to, like, get a sprinkle of everything. Um, so that was that was really cool. Yeah. Well, I, we were part of that little hodgepodge <laughs> on, on the court. And my she disappeared for a second, and then she comes back, and she's got a picture with you. And I'm like, what? That's awesome. Very cool. Very cool. Maybe I, I can do something cool in the in the future and make it, you know, make it worth some money or something down the road. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Cool. All right. Let, uh, tell us about Becca. Man, Becca. So <clears throat> how we met? We met freshman year in January, so about midway through the year, and I was actually doing a dance competition with her best friend. Uh, so hold on, hold on. What kind of dancing are we talking about? I don't know. Just whatever you felt like that song called for. Okay. I don't know. It was just, you know, one of those circles of people, and I got thrown in, and uh, her other – so she plays basketball. Her best friend also played basketball. So I kind of, like, knew of them. Right. So I wasn't, like, a total stranger. Um, but that was how we first met, so she'll she'll joke about that a lot. Um, she's just super athletic, super fun, and that was kind of the first thing for me was, like, man, like, she's – you know, super just um, doing a lot of the same things I'm doing. A lot of the same friend groups. We're playing intramural volleyball, spike ball, kickball, soccer. We're doing all this stuff together. And then that summer, my parents had moved to North Carolina. And so they're down there in that Wilmington house. 
Um, and so I was down there, and she's in Amelia, so it was like five-hour drive. And it was like, well, hey, Mom, I'm going to go see my friend for the weekend for five hours. It's like, okay, that doesn't really cut it as you're still a, a young, young skipper. So uh, we were like, all right, let's try this dating thing. I had come out of a long relationship. I don't know. I was just like a relationship guy. And I feel like some of my friends are. Some just aren't. Sure. And uh, so I had come out of a long one in high school. And so I was kind of a little a little on the weary end. But, um, yeah, as, as we started dating, I got to know her. It was just kind of like with basketball and surfing. It just started unlocking more and more that I probably should have been looking, you know, more intently on early on. But I was a little more just the fun, the joy, um, and just got really lucky with her character, who she who she is. And so we started dating, boom, we're like two years in, my junior year. And I do love telling the story and this kind of uh, testimony of, like, I was on my high horse junior year, we were rocking and rolling, my ego was as big as can be, and... Um, I was down in Florida with my cousin, and it was around Christmas time, and, and we went out to a bar, and we drank a little too much, and I ended up going back with someone else, um, and I didn't I didn't tell Beck about it. I was like, you know, I still love her. It's not like a big a big thing, and um, and then that spring, COVID hits, and we've been dating for over two years, and um, we'd be going into senior year, and she's like, hey, what are you doing? Like, what are we gonna do? And and there was just this like crazy guilt put on my heart of like, man, she's gonna make a decision that's gonna impact her whole life, and I haven't even been honest. And um, and so you know me, I'm like, okay, I'll just break up with her. Uh, I'm unworthy, whatever. And uh, if you try to break up with someone that that God is you know meant for you to be with, it doesn't work. And uh, so then that whole that whole night, I'm like crying. I gotta tell her. So I tell her the next day. She's you know, upset, and we don't talk for three days. And then I get a text, and I see it's her, and I quickly open it. And all it says is, hey, my dad wants to talk to you. Is that okay? Oh. And I'm just oh. like. Oh. And you, you've met her dad. At yes. Point, yeah. We've been dating for over two years. Great family. But, I mean, yeah, I'm like, oh, crap. Um, so I'm like, yeah, sure. You know, anything like. So I remember it like it was yesterday. I'm getting out of coaching an AU team during COVID. And I get out of practice. We had a scheduled phone call. And, and I answer the phone. And he's like, hey, Buzz, I just want you to know that I love you, that I forgive you. And This is her dad. Yeah. And he's like, this guy. I've been, I've been married 23 years. My father-in-law has never said that to me. <laughs> <laughs> Man. Well, this dude is definitely a special guy. And he's like, I love you. I forgive you. And, and this guy named Jesus. And like there's more to life, you know, there's more to it. And, and I think he's got a plan for you and like gave me some scripture and a book. And, um, and during that time I, it was in COVID where like I was isolated from everything. Like gyms were closed, you know, you couldn't really go places. You had to be going nuts. So for me, I was, yeah, like in depression almost. And so this was all hitting. I feel like God kind of cut off everything to really make me like look inward. Like, mm. man, you think you're all this, like, um, and so it really just struck my pride and everything down. And um, for the next two weeks, kind of heaven works in reverse. Like my best friend growing up was an awesome man of faith. Like went to Messiah College. And so I started calling him and we started like calling once a day. And, and my roommate at the time, big fundy, 
Mm -hmm. fella. Yep. Um, he's pursuing uh, his walk as well, and so I would call him. So I'd have phone calls with them for the next two weeks, and we were just like diving into everything. I'm asking him all these questions, and um, so I meet with Becca in person three weeks after I tell her, and we're both like, we don't know what this means. Like, how do we do this? It's gonna be tough, and um, we end up talking for like five hours, and we're just like, this feels right. Um, and she tells the she, the way she tells the story. She goes back home that day and tells her parents like, "Hey, like I think I just met my husband." And you know, as crazy as that sounds, like as you know, messed up. Like if you know God's grace, like it's crazy, and and He's so merciful. And so we felt like we wanted to be uncommon and different and tell our story. And so we were like, "Let's get married," you know, while we're in college. It was so a that, mutual thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so we were like, we felt like that's what we were being called to do, and we were like, we want people to see us and be like, what, you're so young, you're married, you know, like, we wanted that question, because we wanted to be able to tell this story, because we didn't feel like it was ours, and uh, we felt like there was more to it, and so, uh, so then we decide that, I propose February 6th, 2021. Was she surprised? <laughs> she was okay. Uh, we had kind of like in Christmas, we already got a venue in, in December, so it was just kind of a matter of when to propose. It could have been the seventh, it could have been the fifth of February, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so uh, so I did that, and then we got married in August. So, quick, quick turnaround August 23rd, 2021, we get married, go into our fifth year. She did a fifth year as well, doing basketball, so we both kind of had this like. Um, <laughs> different last year of college, but really cool, really cool uh, experience. And this year, even like transitioning into marriage, like it wasn't like just us away from our friend groups or stuff. Like we had community in college, we were active, we got to still like be involved. So um, it's been amazing. She's got such a heart, and, and she's shown me so much with forgiveness and how to actually like care for people so I could brag on her all night but uh yeah that that's kind of our story in a nutshell and we're excited to see where this next year goes I'm sure there's gonna be some more problems when I drop her in a foreign country and she doesn't know the language and she's like what the heck am I supposed to do hopefully you end up in a place where most people speak English <laughs> yeah. yeah and she loves to travel so she's she's excited for it maybe do like English teaching or something yeah no, that's so. great Buzz, I can't thank you enough for coming to do this, man. Uh, I know you've been super busy the last few weeks. I, I can only imagine what your last few weeks have been like, but uh, really appreciate you stopping by and doing this. Yeah. Well, this has been great, and I graduate this weekend, so we are uh, we are on a high. We're feeling good this week. And then I wish you nothing but, but the best uh, on, on your uh, efforts in Europe. Thank you. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe to wherever you listen to podcasts. We'd also really appreciate if you'd rate and review us. You can find us at scodopodcast.com.